everybody, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE podcast. Today is December 9th, 2021. We are obviously talking about last night's episode of Dynamite that had the main event with John Silver versus Brian Danielson. We had the return of the Young Bucks in action and so much more. We're going to get into all of it right after this. Came to AEW to dominate. Number one, Jeff Perry. Nobody is gonna take this away from me. This is mine once again. D. All right, everybody, I hope you all had a great week. As always, I hope you're all enjoying December. Winter is coming. Hint, hint. Wink, week. We're gonna talk. Wink, week. Week? Wink? Hint, hint, wink, wink. We're going to talk about that, obviously, later on as well. Uh, We got a bunch of announcements in regards to winter is coming next week. And I might have a fun announcement, too, because we might have the return of the man, Ashley Mann, here on the uh, WWE podcast, on the Dynamite side of the WWE podcast, at least, uh, talking about next week's show, Winter is Coming. So that that will be exciting. Tune in for that show next week. Uh, if you weren't planning to already, because if you hate my voice, I don't know why you listen to the show, but uh, Logan Meyer, 23, go away. But um, if you hate my voice, then at least you also have Ashley's voice to accompany that. So, uh, And everybody likes Ashley. So... Look forward to that next week. I know I'm looking forward to it, and I'm also really looking forward to Winter is Coming. But we are talking about this week's episode of Dynamite, and before we get into it, though, I'm going to quickly do our little little plugs here. Patreon, dollar a month. If you guys uh, don't know, it's patreon.com slash the WWE podcast, or you can just get the app, Patreon, and search the WWE podcast you can get all these shows, including the Dynamite Review Show, the NXT Review Show with Zach Smith. You got uh, Anthony DeMarco and Matt doing rivalries. Uh, not Excuse me. You got Anthony DeMarco doing rivalries. Anthony DeMarco and Matt both doing What If. You have Matt with the Raw Review. We have a Weekend Review here. So a bunch of great wrestling content. You get all of it ad-free for a dollar a month on Patreon. Or you can sign up here on iTunes and get all of that as well. Um, for I think it's $3.99 to subscribe on iTunes. And uh, in regards to that as well, you also get Wrestling Nostalgia, which is a Patreon exclusive or a subscriber exclusive, let me put it that way, show uh, for, yeah, for subscribers to the WWE podcast only. So if you're not doing it, I mean, guys, a do- like that's that's not, uh, listen, I have like $8 in my bank account right now, and I still manage to afford a dollar a month to get all these shows ad-free, so... It's worth it. If you if you like the content, it's worth it. So, all right, guys. Moving on, though. Let's talk about last night's Dynamite because we started off with the man, the myth, the legend, CM Punk coming out and just a crazy reaction for CM Punk. I mean, I I thought we had a couple years before we were going to hear something like this, but I mean, it was there were still some people cheering for him, but for the most part, I would say it was a good 70-30 booze. Uh, maybe 65-45 at some points, but really... Is that math right? Let's go with it. Um, 70-30 boo uh, cheer. So, yeah, he came out and he was talking about MJF and talking about Long Island. He basically just ripped Long Island a new one. Uh, I I think uh, 
it's funny to see a company, a pro wrestling company at least, so that just pays a lot of attention to where they're going to be. Like, I, it's, we, I feel like I always know where Dynamite is going to be in the country or out of the country. Whatever. I guess they haven't gone out of the country yet. But I always know what state, what, um, what city uh, Dynamite's going to be in. I don't think I ever felt that way for WWE or, or any other wrestling company that I can remember. Um, and most other wrestling companies didn't travel like these two do. So, yeah, I, I just think it's um, it's a different flavor for sure. I'm, I'm sure it's for some people and it's not for other people. I'm sure some people who are from out of the United States maybe get confused by it as well. Uh, but definitely not probably if you're a long-term wrestling fan. You know Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, the big wrestling states. So... Yeah, anyways, so CM Punk, I don't know what I'm talking about now. CM Punk came out, basically, he comes out, though, to MJF's music, which was just brilliant, because uh, a play on, you know, everybody thought MJF was going to come out to CM Punk's music when CM Punk debuted, when they thought CM Punk, when when it was rumored that CM Punk was going to debut, and he actually did, uh, everybody thought it might be MJF coming out uh, and, and pulling some kind of trick like that. Instead, a couple months later, we have CM Punk doing it to MJF in his hometown of Long Island. Really, really like that. Um... He just turns to some cheap heat attacking the uh, New York New York Islanders. I thought, funny, really? Punk really likes hockey, and he really went over and over and over back to the Islanders. Um, I didn't think the Islanders were that bad, but apparently they are. Again, I don't watch enough hockey. You can follow Anthony DeMarco on Twitter, though. He is tuned into the hockey because he's from Canada. Uh <laughs> But he, uh, Punk admits that he will still have an eye on the AEW Championship match next week between Brian Danielson and Hangman Page. However, he and MJF have some business to take care of still, and uh, whoever comes out on top of that is probably going to be the next in line for the AEW Championship. So, exciting stuff to look forward to, guys. I still don't know who's coming out on top, whether it's going to be MJF or CM Punk. I'm guessing CM Punk right now. That's just my guess right now, but... um. I also thought MJF was going to be the person to take the title off Hangman Page, so I figured they would they would drag that out a little while longer, and, and MJF isn't going to go to the title picture yet. So, I, I don't know. For right now, I'm going to go with CM Punk wins this match. I don't know when it's happening, where it's happening yet. but um, And yeah, I mean, CM Punk versus Hangman Adam Page, that's a match to start salivating over, guys. So this was it was nice to hear something like that, to be able to get excited for what is coming next. In the um, AEW championship picture. And it was nice to hear that, like, again, you can never be reminded too many times. And I, I say that now. Maybe maybe, maybe it'll happen one day. But you can never be reminded too many times why all these guys and gals are here. They're here to compete for championships. Those title belts, that means you're the best wrestler in the world. In AEW, whatever you want to say. And, uh, and that's why these guys and gals are here is to get that prize. And all the other feuds are really supposed to be just, like, vehicles I guess to to kind of gain wins and losses and so these you know matches actually have a little bit more emotional investment behind it but it we kind of lose sight of that sometimes because we get so emotionally invested and stuff but all these feuds really are just like I said vehicles to for matches to be more exciting but realistically that's why and I think I talked about this last week I'd love to see AEW just throw some random matches out there like not everything has to have an angle you can just have a fun little firecracker match for the for the hell of it, you know. Um, and I, I'd like to see a little bit more of that instead of all of these backstage beatdowns and all of these interview interruptions and all of this uh, after the match beach 
beatdowns and these. We're, we're going to talk about a lot of this throughout the show because th- I think there were a lot of problems with this show. But I wanted to start off positive and talk about the first segment first and just be a little bit joyful here while the holiday season is going on. Let's start off here a little bit joyful and talk about this um, CM Punk segment before we get into all of the issues that I had with this show. So anyways, like I was saying, CM Punk talks about how, uh, like I said, he has his eye on the AEW championship match and the title and whoever uh, wins that match uh, or wins the match between Punk and MJF is probably going to be next in line. I don't know if that's what the rankings say, but um, I assume I assume that's AEW's way of telling us that like like that's next or we hear you MJF, CM Punk, we want to see that in the title picture. And like I said, that is something to look forward to, right? So uh, he continues to go at Long Island more. He talks about how, you know, this is your guy. This is your guy. He said that he'd wrestle MJF tonight, but MJF won't do it. Uh, and basically uh, walks out and gets booed out of the building while his music plays. Finally, we get to hear Cult of Personality. And uh, and like I said, guys, I really like this segment. I think Punk was really enjoying himself just bothering Long Island just just uh it was cool to hear this reaction first of all it was cool to hear this reaction we're gonna get into MJF's entrance later on as well but it was cool to see um it was cool to see the old CM Punk kind of like he took he took a break from his coming out and I love you guys and you love me and let's all hug and you know I'm just happy to be here promos lately and just destroyed Long Island and uh, it was a different way to open up the show. We usually open up with a match, so that was different as well. And I like that. A little bit of a change of pace. Um, every now and then is okay. I do normally like the format that Dynamite opens up with the match in the beginning. But fun to watch CM Punk come out here. And again, I understand why they did this this way with MJF's music and all of that. So I think they got they struck while the iron was hot with the crowd as well. So I And I also think that CM Punk probably had to do a little improvisation here. Because I assume... He really didn't know whether Long Island, like, obviously MJF had been, you know, teeing this up a little bit for the Long Island crowd to accept him, accept him as their hero. But, uh, for the past couple weeks at least. But you, um, CM Punk couldn't have known whether or not it was actually going to work and if this crowd was actually going to be, you know, for MJF or against MJF. So he probably had to kind of go out there with two things in his head, whether or not I'm going to go and trash Long Island, or I'm going to cheer for Long Island, or not cheer for, or I'm going to, like, be with Long Island thinking, like, ha, MJF, you suck, even your hometown doesn't like you. Uh, by the way, guys, I don't know if you heard, MJF's parents came to that show as well, and they had another great sign. And there was also a really good sign, too, that said something like, $100 for an AEW ticket, um, and then something about being priceless to watch, like, a childhood best friend. It, it said childhood Jewish best, fr- best friend for some reason. I, it's very specific. Childhood Jewish friend, be- uh, Jewish, childhood Jewish best friend grow up to uh, get booed out of buildings and live out a dream. I think, imagine being, like, a little kid and thinking, nah, I don't want to be, like, Hulk Hogan, you know? I don't want to be, well, I, I don't think any of us want to be like Hulk Hogan, at least I hope so. Uh, or I don't want to be like, uh, you know, John Cena. I don't want to be like these like these typical good guys that you hear. Um, I don't want to get the reaction that Stone Cold got. I don't. I don't want that. I want to be like nineteen nineties Shawn Michaels. I want to be like uh, Evolution Triple H. I don't know. I'm just thinking of heels off the top of my head. I want to be booed out of the building everywhere I go. As a little kid, imagine that. Just think that's really funny. And again, it shows you maybe why MJF is so good at what he does. So, 
Yeah, I really did. Uh, it was nice to. I really enjoyed this. It was nice to see Punk being Punk again. I still think he's a little out of practice with this, but it was still nice to see a little different side of Punk. Punk, and we're getting all these different layers as well. I think we're getting different layers from him in the matches, a little bit less so the last two matches, but we're getting different layers of him in in regards to his matches, like versus uh, Eddie Kingston, versus the match he had with Lee Moriarty, versus the match he had with Powerhouse Hobbs. Like we're seeing different sides of Punk like that in the ring, but I think we're also seeing different sides of him outside of the ring as well. So I really, I really like this. And again, it was a different. It was just different. And sometimes like that, that sets you way ahead of the starting line already just to be a little bit different and a little bit of a different flavor than what we're normally getting so I thought it was a great start to the show and it was really nice to be followed up with what we saw afterwards which was MJF's entrance to the diamond uh, dynamite diamond battle royale I don't know why that's such a tongue twister for me dynamite diamond battle royale uh and yeah MJF came out and he was received as the long island hero he was received as CM not it's not nearly probably to the extent that uh, that CM Punk in Chicago or Piper in Portland or anything like that. But uh, it was definitely, it was weird to see MJF get cheered for, and it was fun. It was, Like I said, this show kind of started off a little bit ahead of the ahead of the game already because it was just different, and different can be good sometimes. And it, you know, kept the same undertones, but the fact that CM Punk's getting booed and uh, MJF is getting cheered. Like, this is actually, yes, these fans are different and weird. Like, you know that thing Michael Cole tries to say every time people are booing Roman Reigns or booing CM Punk, or not CM Punk, excuse me, booing uh, John Cena or whatever. Uh, like that night after WrestleMania when they booed Roman Reigns out of the building after he beat The Undertaker. Those, those, or was it after the Royal Rumble? I don't, it was one of those nights, and it, I, I just remember, I remember being so angry that someone was calling me an unorthodox fan or something like that. No, I'm just a fan. And uh, I'm just a fan. But the reason I bring it up is because, yeah, these really were unorthodox fans. Because I guarantee you, everywhere else in the country, MJF is not getting this reaction. So this really was, like I said, unorthodox fans. Um, but let's talk about the Diamond... Dynamite? God, I'm gonna... Dynamite? Diamond Battle Royale. <laughs> uh, the participants were Lee Moriarty, Will Hobbs, Matt Hardy... Jay Lethal, Leo Rush, Dante Martin, Ricky Starks, Lee Johnson, Wardlow, Frankie Kazarian, Matt Seidel, and obviously MJF. I hope I didn't leave anybody out there. Uh, and this was really short and kind of disappointing, but there were a couple cool spots. The spot with MJF obviously eliminating, I think it was Leo Rush and somebody else, I can't remember, uh, but also eliminating Wardlow in the process. That was a good spot, and uh, and Wardlow looking not happy. Wardlow's ponytail coming out really early on in the match as well. Right as he was about to go head-to-head with Will Hobbs, uh, my fiancé was trying to talk to me about something while we were watching this, and I was like, uh-uh, shh, 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 shh. Well, I didn't say it like that because I'll get my... It, it won't look... It just... It, it won't be pretty. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I said, shh, because Will Hobbs and Wardlow face-to-face, like, I didn't even know I wanted that, and how did I miss that? How has that not been a dream match in my head? funny like AEW's roster is so uh people say it's so bloated I hate that word I think it's so versatile because there's so many different faces that kind of come in and out and in and out right we haven't seen like a Brian Cage Uh, give me Brian Cage versus Wardlow that'll be a great match give me a tag team of Wardlow and Brian Cage down the line maybe Wardlow can rub a little charisma off on uh on Brian Cage I forgot all about uh Will Hobbs and uh, Brian Cage had a couple of good matches, just two big guys. And this was kind of similar to that. They both bumping into each other, like, who's the bigger man? Like Biggie always says, guys, big men slapping meat. 
right? Like, I will take it. It is, like, pro wrestling 101, like, old-fashioned pro wrestling. These big dudes, it's fun to watch. Especially, they look a lot bigger, too, when you fill the ring with guys like Dante Martin, Leo Rush, especially Leo Rush, uh, Matt Hardy, Jay Lethal, Ricky Starks, right? Matt Seidel. Uh, your Wardlows and your Will Hobbs are looking a lot bigger than if you put them next to, I don't know, other big guys like Brian Cage. So even just other guys that are, you know, 6'1", six, 6'2", six, 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 whatever. I don't know how tall a lot of these guys are, but even just like, no, like I don't know what normal size is, but like even next to like a Hangman Page, I remember Brian Cage not looking that, that much bigger, but you put all these little guys around them. It just made for a really good image and a really good uh, visual and I really just was, I, that was probably my favorite spot of the entire match, which is saying something, but was watching uh, Will Hobbs and Wardlow go face to face because I just, I didn't even know I wanted that, uh, didn't even know I wanted that match. Um, but we had a confrontation between Dante Martin and Leo Rush. And to finish the match, we had Dante Martin eliminating Ricky Starks, turning on Team Taz. We all probably kind of saw that coming. Uh, I don't, I don't know what, that they didn't do enough with that to me during the battle royale there was like one little spot with leo rush but he still tried to eliminate leo rush i, I don't know am I, am I supposed to assume they were like faking that is dante martin not going to team with leo rush is he his own man now and he just wants to wait for his brother to get back I, I don't i don't know what they're doing exactly but we do have dante martin versus mjf next week at winter is coming and i think that's going to be a really really great talk about a weird again i call these dream matches and and that term is a little bit overused, and I think that's why I feel like I can use it because it's been so diluted at this point. But, like, again, another match I didn't even think about how much I wanted. Dante Martin, first of all, is just so fun to watch in the ring. We all know that. And MJF in the ring is so underrated. We all know he's really good in the ring, and he's still underrated because he's fantastic in the ring. He turns it up when he has to turn it up. He does the high spots if he has to do the high spots. But he also wrestles at a pace that isn't, it's like not FTR, you know when I've been talking about FTR lately and on a lower side, I guess, on a lower end, they just really, the match on Rampage actually this week was alright, but um, FTR to me have not been in prime form, and to me, MJF wrestles with an FTR style, but that's like 10 times more exhilarating, that's like FTR in NXT style, uh, so revival style, let me put it that way, and uh, you know, FTR definitely needs a revival, eh, 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 hint, hint. Uh, at uh, right now for sure, and I'm hoping that that match on Rampage just actually bangs because they really haven't been they really haven't been informed for me at least, guys. But I'm so off topic. Anyways, I'm super excited for this match between Dante Martin and MJF. But the actual Battle Royale itself was really a disappointment. I thought they could have done a lot, uh, a lot more with this. A bunch of cooler spots. Uh, I don't really ever need to see Hardy and Jay Lethal, but if you're gonna put them in a match, put them in this match, I guess. Um, uh, I, I, like I said, I like the Wardlow Hobbs spot, spot, but like, I just feel like there could have been more done with Team Taz, Leo Rush, Dante Martin. I think it was very disheveled. You, you just didn't have enough time. I think this match also just didn't have enough time to even form any thoughts about it. So, uh, it wasn't anything special. And I think, I think it's going to go in third place right now out of all three of the, uh, battle royales. It was probably the most boring, um, and just most, not boring, that's not the word I'm looking for, because again, it wasn't even long enough to be boring, it was just uneventful, and it was a disappointment, it's kind of like that, I'm not mad at you, I'm just disappointed, that's how I felt about this battle royale. So, next up, we had the Acclaimed and 2.0 versus the Varsity Blondes and Jurassic Express, 
And this was kind of like a fun little house show match. I, I think this was very, uh, I think this is very, it's December. It's December in the wrestling world and, and we're waiting for next week. Winter is coming and, and January and the rankings are going to reset and all that stuff. I, I think this was, um, I mean, this was fun. It, I think this got too much time. I think you could have ch- shaved off some time off this match and, uh, Maybe only like a minute or two off this match. There definitely were. Uh, there was another match on this show that that you could have shaved time off as well, which was the tag team match with Best Friends and Super Click. I think. Um, yeah, because I think the main event could have uh, used a little bit more time, and Dynamite uh, Diamond Battle Royale could have used more time. But this was kind of a fun little house show match, and and it just didn't. It could have been. It, this probably could have been a five, six, seven minute match, and just fireworks. Again, this is what I was saying. These are these matches that like this is fine, cool. Like put these four guys together, uh, and put versus the other four guys. Like just the thing about this though is it doesn't affect the rankings much because you're. It affects your overall, I guess, but not the tag team rankings for these guys. So it doesn't really mean much. That's why I said, like, this felt like a house show match. It just didn't really mean anything, and then we'll get into the after the match. But the only thing that I will say is uh, 2.0, probably my favorite tag team in AEW. I, I do want to get a taste. I-, I love, love these guys. I love them as Ever Rise in NXT, and it's so fun to see them get to play this role, and, like, they're cool with that. They are cool with, like, this is their role, and they're good at it, and they really seem to enjoy it as well. Uh, the acclaimed... Anthony Bowen, Max Caster. I think Max Caster's rap was it was all right. It, it, I've heard better, um, probably on the lower end of his uh, of his totem pole. So, uh, Varsity Blondes it was good to see them. I haven't seen them on Dynamite in a really long time. I think Griff Garrison. I always say is is a, probably a lot more underrated behind uh, Brian Pillman Jr. and um, and I say the same thing about Brian Pillman Jr. every single time he wrestles or every time I see him wrestle. He needs to develop his own style and stop trying to wrestle like his dad in the 1990s or in 2021, and it's not going to work anymore. But if you want if you want to learn how to wrestle in 2021, put you in a match with uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Love the Luchasaurus pops. Love the Luchasaurus hot tags. Uh, Jungle Boy fell off the apron at one point. That was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, this was kind of a, you know, not there's not much to analyze here. It was just a fun energetic action-packed multi-man uh highlighted a lot of uh luchasaurus again and probably just fun for the crowd that was in attendance so actually had a friend in attendance at long island at the long island show so i hope he enjoyed this because uh, i remember watching that six-man tag on rampage at grand slam and that was probably the most fun that match was the most fun to watch because it was just bang 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 like like i said super energetic so not much to analyze about this guys but the after the match uh we had well, during the match, we had Eddie Kingston come down, grab Daniel Garcia off the apron, so he couldn't interfere in the match. We had another attempted interference in the match. Just want to throw that out there. This is like, all right, first one in for the night, but we're definitely going to get into about 100 more of those. Uh, yeah, so we had Daniel Garcia trying to interfere. Eddie Kingston comes down, pulls him off the apron, and then he, like, like, asks the camera to come backstage with him and then doesn't do anything for like three minutes and just stands there with proud and powerful and then then daniel garcia and 2.0 come and attack it didn't work this didn't work um i like the idea of uh proud and powerful and eddie kingston versus 2.0 and daniel garcia i want to see that six man any day of the week but this felt really contrived, really forced, and uh, this post-match crap has to stop. They have to... AEW is getting lazy with the ways that they are building angles. Lazy. 
they need to come up with something new. These post-match beatdowns. This, and this one was probably the worst out of all of them because it felt so, so forced. I want to be watching this show and believing that... Um, I want to be watching the show and believing that it is a simulated sport or it's uh what's not I want to believe it's a real sporting contest and it should feel like a simulated sport it shouldn't feel so fake and scripted and contrived like this segment did so next up we had the Young Bucks versus Rocky Romero and Chuck Taylor and this match to me guys was probably went on longer than it needed to uh it was good to see the young bucks back in action and there was a lot of really fun energetic back and forth especially this match built and built and built and built and i really enjoyed that a lot of really cool high spots between all four of the guys rocky romero is so fun keep him on my screen i'll watch 100 matches with him i I didn't know a lot about rocky romero before we saw him in aew but it was like i really really love his chemistry with the young bucks and i really just like watching him wrestle in general so he's been um like a little shining light in the in the ending of 2021 on Dynamite for me. I really uh, I really enjoyed him in this match. And Chuck Taylor is a little bit slower than he used to be, I think, but um it was still good to see Chuck back in the mat, uh, back in the ring. It's been a while since I've seen Chuck wrestle. Again, I don't watch uh Dark or Dark Elevation much if ever. Uh and so if they if these guys do wrestle on dark and dark elevation I'm just not seeing it so that's why I say it was good to see Chuck Taylor back in uh back in a wrestling ring on dynamite let me put it that way. Uh and Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole on the outside the, my my problem with this match guys and the reason I'm not like super hyped about cuz this was a this was a lot of great in-ring action. The angle still sucks. Uh but this this repaired it a little bit I think. Uh, the, the reason I'm, I'm not so high on this is because it's like every Young Bucks match in particular, but every match in AEW now, it like bleeds into all the other programs. It's referee distractions. It's after the match beatdowns. It's like, we can't just have a normal, regular match. It's all this fluff. And AEW talks about the company that actually gives us finishes. Like, like no, not DQs, not countouts, whatever, real finishes of matches, but when you do all this contrived crap, it doesn't feel like it anymore. I feel like AEW, dare I say it, guys, is getting way too sports entertainment e and less pre- pro wrestling. Um, and this is another example of it. I don't know if it's a symptom of December, but we're coming up on Winter is Coming, one of their biggest shows of the year, at least according to what they did with Sting debuting last year and the title change and all of that. So I just, I, I can't, it's like too much going on for me. I just want to watch a wrestling match every now and then. And tell a story in the ring without all this other schmutz on the outside. I don't know. I, don't, I guess I'm Tony D'Angelo all of a sudden. But without all this other schmutz on the outside. Like, I, I understand needing to tell a story with Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole. But they did that after the match. Like, choose. At least, at the very least, choose one or the other. Are you doing a post-match beatdown? Are you going to do a bunch of interference crap in the during the match? And I understand that they're heels, and I understand that's what heels do, but you don't have to do it every single time. Like, again, this was one that had distractions and, and fun, futzy whatever. The match before, it had all this futzy stuff with, and Daniel Garcia and all that other stuff and distractions of the referee and yada, yada, yada. Riho versus Jamie Hayter, more distractions from Rebel and Britt Baker and whatever. And then Brian Danielson versus John Silver was the only just regular match where there was, but there was a post-match beatdown. There was a post-match beatdown. 
we didn't get one just normal match on the card. And uh, and it feels like that's every single week on Dynamite lately. And I'm getting sick of it. It's it it's un it's I can't believe it. It's like last week with that commentary stuff, guys. Like every single time, this segment on the commentary thing last week with Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole and the Young Bucks was so bad, so contrived. So AEW has not been in good form, and I really hope winter winter is coming is something else. I hope we don't get all of this futzy stuff. The only person I will allow to have any of that happen is uh, MJF and Dante Martin, but it might actually be a really cool story to tell. MJF doesn't need Wardlow or the diamond, the beautiful diamond ring, uh, to win the match. Maybe he just beats MJF. Maybe he just beats Dante Martin and shows CM Punk that he doesn't need any of that stuff, and maybe CM Punk doubts himself a little bit. Like that's a cool story to be told as well. But I, I don't want any more of this schmutz. That's what I'm calling it. The schmutz on the outside during the match. Their distractions. Brandon Cutler. Like all the, though I will say Taz calling him Cutlet over and over again popped me big. And the Young Bucks took the win in this match, obviously. Uh, hitting a 450 indie taker thing. It was wild. Nick Jackson is incredible. Guys, Nick Jackson is something else. But they had the post-match beatdown, like I said. And then after the match, Trent, Sue, Sue drives Trent in. He looks awesome looks awesome really with the shaved head uh really really looks like he is like toned and all this stuff he looks way better than we saw him last time he returned so it was really good to see Trent come back and it was a beautiful nice moment with Chris Statlander and the rest of the best friends and Rocky Romero and everybody in the ring doing the big group hug and then we saw Orange Cassidy kind of like staring down at uh the Young Bucks and Adam Cole down the ramp and I like that I hope we're seeing a little bit of character development with Orange Cassidy. Like, maybe he's starting to take this stuff a little bit more seriously. Because uh, I'm getting into the Orange Cassidy character a little bit more and more. Funny enough, as much as these, this angle sucks, I'm getting into him a little bit more. And, and if you guys have heard me before, subjectively, he's not my favorite. But I understand why he's so over. So, yeah, it was nice to see Trent, like I said. It was a, felt like a big deal. Trent feel, felt like a big deal. Uh, and it was good to see his big you know, return and the group hug and all of that. But like I said, all of the schmutz here, there, everywhere, like we can't just have a normal wrestling match, made me not really enjoy this match as a whole that much. Uh, and Which sucks because the Young Bucks are probably the greatest tag team in the world right now and I just want to watch them wrestle. I understand they're playing heels. You can play heels without doing all all of this over-the-top stuff all the time. It's just, it's too much. It is too much. I'd really love to hear your guys' thoughts, though, on that, because I know I feel one way. Maybe you guys really enjoyed that there's all this stuff going on, and maybe it's super entertaining, and that's what keeps you captivated. But for me, I mean, I don't know. You listen to this podcast, and I speak a mile a minute, so maybe you like a bunch of things going on at once. Um, but it's, for me, it's just, it's it's getting to be too much. And I'm really looking forward, though, with all that being said, I'm really looking forward to... Trent's return back in the ring uh like an official match capacity and maybe they take this what I'm saying here and they're not listening but maybe they are probably not and they take this and then uh have a good regular tag team match without all this crap going on here there and everywhere um because I'm excited to see Chuck Taylor Trent give me an awesome six-man tag Adam Cole Orange Cassidy uh and also in the mix I think that would be a really incredible match and I'm sure that that's already on the docket Great to see Rocky Romero, but, like, give me Chuck Taylor, Trent, excuse me, Trent, and uh, Orange Cassidy back together again. Um, I'm, I would love to see that. So I want to see all these matches, but I also, like, am scared because I feel like there's going to be 600 things going on at once, and I won't just be able to see these guys wrestle a tag team match. 
a tag team match where they don't distract the referee 600 times and the referees don't look like absolute idiots. All right, I'm done. I'm done ranting, guys. I promise I'm done ranting. Uh, I don't want to forget. I, I don't think it happened here, but um, I think it happened before the main event, but I'm just going to mention it now because I don't want to forget. Cody Rhodes is the new challenger for Sammy Guevara's TNT Championship. And uh, and is Cody milking this stuff or what? He comes out. He comes out of the baby face tunnel. Uh, and then he says that uh, he's on Christmas Day, he's going to challenge Sammy Guevara for the championship. He says that uh, good guy to good guy. And then he goes to kind of walk out of the heel tunnel, and then he turns back around and goes to the babyface tunnel. Like, I don't know, guys. It's like, I think we talked about this last week, and I don't want to bore you guys talking about Cody Rhodes again. And I think Cody Rhodes thinks he's doing something. Like, it's like, this is what bothers me so much about Cody Rhodes right now. Is, is he feels like he's doing something. He's doing something by getting people talking about him. And and that's great. You should be talking about Cody Rhodes and great. And like it's nice that we are having some kind of discourse. But this isn't the kind of discourse that you want. This discourse is like... I, I think this week made it very, very clear to us that Cody Rhodes knows what he's... Thinks he knows what he's doing. Just because he knows what he's doing or just because he's self-aware that the crowd is booing him and whatever else doesn't mean that this stuff that Cody Rhodes is doing is good. Uh, it's not good. I really am not enjoying it. Um, I, I don't find... You guys heard me a while ago. I was at least... like I gave this the benefit of the doubt. I was like interested to see what was coming next for Cody, what was coming next for Cody, what was coming next for Cody. Now I just like... I can't stand the guy more and more and more. And he's wanting to have his cake and eat it too. He's wanting to be able to play a heel... And get booed, but also be like this delusional baby face because he knows he has people who still cheer for him and he wants to do this charity stuff and all that. He's playing a tweener. And he's like outwardly expressing that he's playing the tweener. And I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. Again, though, I would love to hear all your guys' thoughts on Cody Rhodes because I just, uh, it's not for me what this is going on. And just because we're talking about somebody doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean the content that they are producing is good. Just because it's producing discourse doesn't mean that the television is good stuff. The storyline isn't good. There is no storyline. But I'm happy to see that Pac, uh, Alec, Malachi Black, and Andrade and Cody are done with whatever that weird four-way thing was. Um, that reminds me as well, I think... Again, towards the main event, this was before the main event maybe, Varsity Blondes are being interviewed. The reason, guys, I'm not going uh, back in talking about all the interviews that went on during the show because they all, they were all just interruptions, every interview. Find me one interview that didn't get interrupted. It's so, so, so overused now. They need to come up with something new. I'm so sick of it. And just because you acknowledge it, just like the, it's just like the hidden camera thing. Just because you acknowledge it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean you can keep doing it. Stop doing it. Come up with new ways to build angles and matches. And all of these interruptions. We had Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky interrupt Sammy Guevara during that same interview. But Tony Schiavone's on the stage interviewing the Varsity Blondes. The lights go black. Malachi Black appears. He blows the black mist stuff in, uh, in, what's her face? What's her name? Um, oh my gosh, what's her name, guys? You can't respond to me because I'm speaking into a microphone. Julia Hart. Julia Hart, that's her name. Um, yes, so Malachi, or Alistair Black, Mal Malachi Black blows the Black Mist stuff into Julia Hart's face, and, um, Brian Pillman Jr. does some acting, and so does Griff Garrison, and I don't know, this wasn't great. Uh, this, I mean, I do like the Ripple, uh, 
and it's a little bit controversial and we can talk about it. It's not like attacking a woman, so but it's like a way to get around it in a weird way here. And so in pro wrestling sense, obviously. And um, and it, I, I don't know. What is this leading to? Brian Pillman Jr. versus Malachi Black? Like, if it's not leading to Malachi Black kicking Brian Pillman Jr.'s head off in like 10 minutes. No, 10 minutes. What am I saying? 10 seconds. Then I'm not really, I'm not interested. And you know what? I might just have to go back and watch Alistair Malachi Black kick Brock Anderson in the head again to just cheer myself up in regards to Malachi Black because he was so over. And this is the way, and we talked about this before, this is how I know this whole Cody Rhodes, Pack Andrade thing didn't work because do Pack Andrade and Malachi Black feel any more or less over? Like, I feel like Pack got diminished throughout this program, and now he's blind, so... Malachi Black feels way less over than he did when he had that quick squash over Cody Rhodes. Even after the second match, I was like, all right, fine. You want to do it again? Word. But then it was like, oh, we're doing this a third time. Like, why? Why? And then Andrade felt, you know, when he first debuted with Vicky Guerrero and whatever, they kind of started to recover it, and then now he feels like he's in that again. So, pardon my, but, like, that's the only term I can come up with to describe where Malachi Black and Andrade are right now. And it's kind of sad. I don't know if it's because Adam Cole came in. I don't know if it's because CM Punk came in. Brian Daniels. I don't know what their plans were, if that got derailed. But this sucks. So, I, I'm just, I'm upset. And I'm upset for Malachi Black. And I'm upset for Andrade. Because they came into this company with some momentum. And it feels like AEW dampened them. It feels very WWE, doesn't it, guys? This whole Cody Rhodes thing that had been going on. It feels very WWE. And that's exactly why I watched this show. And not WWE. I don't want to watch, I don't want to feel like I'm watching WWE and there's sports entertainment crap and all this other stuff. Like, watch Dynamite for a reason. Maybe I will ask Ashley Mann next week when we talk about Winter is Coming. Again, that's not confirmed. I'm just willing it into existence right now that I'm going to have her on the review show for next week. Uh, maybe I will ask her and see if she feels the same way about this stuff. And again, please, guys, tweet me on the Twitter at Mimi Burris. Um... Because I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on all this stuff. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just really a Debbie Downer on all this stuff. But uh, it just doesn't... I it It's not good. Just because it's storytelling doesn't mean it's good storytelling. There is good and bad to everything. And, and even still, this is not even storytelling. This is just muddled angles. Like, back and forth. Again, a lot of schmutz, guys. A lot of schmutz. Uh, so, next up, though. Let's just talk about the women's match. Because I was... I, it was probably a high for me on the show. I really enjoyed this. Riho and Jamie Hayter talk about the perfect, the perfect combination. And I think Dynamite, Dynamite, AEW has a lot of uh, these matches in the tank. Like, if you think about it, some uh, that women's roster, and if we just even go down it right now, I'm going to, again, another little sidetrack here, guys. If we just go down it, you can fantasy book a ton of stuff here right now. Uh, all right. I'm seeing Abaddon, Bunny, Anna J, Brandy Rhodes. Okay. Uh, Emmy Sakura. We haven't seen her in a while, too. I'd love to see a match with her and Britt Baker. Again, how do we get there? That's not my job. I'm just throwing out, you know, fun fantasy matchups. Uh, Layla Hirsch versus Britt Baker. Layla Hirsch versus Akara Shida. Again, they probably have done some of these matches as well, but doesn't mean we can't see the combination again. Serena Deeb versus literally anybody. Put Serena Deeb in the ring with a broomstick for 20 minutes, and I guarantee you I will be more entertained than I was for half of this show. Uh, uh, Yuka Sakazaki put, again, same deal with Serena D, but Yuka Sakazaki versus Jade Cargill. Uh, Layla Hirsch versus Serena D. Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet. Red Velvet versus Serena D. Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill. Again, that will never get old. 
Karashita versus Anna Jay. The Bunny, even we again the Bunny, and we said Penelope Ford are not bad workers, guys. Give me Penelope Ford versus uh, I was almost gonna say Ruby Soho. No, do not give me that again. Give me Penelope Ford versus Riho. Nyla Rose again versus Riho. Run that back just for you know S's and G's. Serena D versus Nyla Rose. Serena D versus Rebel. Just to watch her pick Rebel apart and watch Rebel sell it. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to actually see that. Serena D versus Jade Cargill. Uh, there's so many good combinations in this women's division. It's lazy to say that they just don't have enough, like, um, reps or anything like that at this point. You know, these women can get reps. Chris Statlander. I almost didn't recognize her because her picture on here is from way, way back when. Chris Statlander versus Serena Deeb. Oh, my gosh. Again, Serena Deeb, Thunder Rosa. Again, all I know all I'm saying is, like, Serena Deeb, Serena Deeb. Ty Conti versus Serena Deeb. Thunder Rosa versus Penelope Ford, I think I said already. Ty Conti versus... Don't do not give me Ty Conti versus Penelope Ford again. Chris Statlander. Uh, Jamie Hayter versus... I almost said Jamie Hayter versus Riho. Jamie Hayter versus Yuka Sakazaki. My I I made my point, and you I hope you guys like skip through this if you got bored of me just naming women versus another woman. But my whole point of this rant here is that there are so many different combinations in the women's roster that you can do that the reps excuse doesn't work anymore, right? That the lack of experience excuse doesn't work anymore because you have women on that roster who have experience, and I hope that you sign some other women that might have been recently released with some experience. I don't know an Ember Moon, guys. Ember Moon taking on Jamie Hayter. I'd love to see that. Ember Moon even versus Nyla Rose. Ember Moon versus Penelope Ford. Ember Moon versus Ruby Soho. Again, I know we've probably seen that in some formation at some point. Ember Moon versus Ty Conti. Ember Moon, if she's playing a heel. Ember Moon and Layla Hirsch as a tag team, I think, would really work well for some reason. There's a whole lot you could do with this women's division and with a lot of those now soon-to-be free agents. If they sign Nyla Rose, Zach, Smith, I know you're listening. If they sign Nyla Rose, you're going to never hear the end of it from me on this podcast and Zach on your telephone. So, uh, yeah, guys, a lot of awesome combinations you can make with the women's match. And that was my quick women's match, women's division sidetrack for the week. Let's actually talk about the match that happened this week on Dynamite, which, like I said, was Rio versus Jamie Hayter. And uh, the way Jamie Hayter takes a crossbody is better than anybody else I've ever seen take a crossbody. I, I don't care what you have to say about it. It is so, so good. Again, it's a little bit better, I think, when the person is a little bit bigger than Riho, funnily enough. Um, there was one with Thunder Rosa that was really, really good. But uh, watching her take the crossbody from Riho again, I was like, I popped for that spot because I knew it was coming. And I know that they know that it's a really awesome spot as well. Uh, and... The one thing I didn't love about this is um, commentary kept talking about how Jamie Hayter doesn't care about the win. Jamie Hayter doesn't care about the win. Doesn't care about the win. Okay, like I know Jamie Hayter's not going to beat Riho there, uh, Riho here, but you're really rubbing it in my face that Jamie Hayter's not going to beat Riho. And like you want me to have some kind of belief that it's actually going to happen and be able to buy on near falls and all that other stuff. There was uh, like an awesome suplex in this match too that just looked horrific a backbreaker that looked really good I think there was a really good brain buster that I almost bit on the near fall and I would have if commentary kept telling me that Jamie Hayter doesn't care about winning this match uh but yeah there was a really good crucifix bomb towards the end of the match from Riho to Jamie Hayter and Rio hit some kind of running shining wizard knee thing to get the victory and get the pinfall and what do you know guys we had another post-match beatdown 
Britt Baker puts the lockjaw on Riho, and I skipped through this part because I couldn't care. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm done talking about the schmutz at the end of these matches. I, I'm so emotionally not invested in all of these because they don't mean everything if you do it over and over and over again. Everything, guys, is supply and demand. If you do the same thing over and over and over again, it has no meaning. If you get the same, think about it. If I made you, everybody loves a good grilled cheese, right? If you don't like cheese, I don't trust you. But everybody loves good grilled cheese, right? Now, I could make you a grilled cheese with American cheese, like just some crappy American cheese every day. And you, maybe every day for a week, you'd probably be sick of it by the end of that week, I assume. Every day for lunch for a week, I make you a grilled cheese. Okay. So I say, you know what? I'll change it up a little bit. I'll make a cheddar cheddar cheese grilled cheese. Maybe the next week I do brie cheese grilled cheese. I really make a lot of food analogies on this podcast. At the end of the day, you're still eating a grilled cheese. You're still eating melted cheese in between two pieces of bread with some butter on it. And that's how you make a real good grilled cheese, by the way, guys. But you're still eating a grilled cheese every day, whether or not you put different flavors on it. And you're going to get sick of the grilled cheese if you just have it over and over and over again. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, I could just switch it up and maybe make you one grilled cheese a week and you can have anything else you want any of the other days of the week. Sounds a lot better than the same fucking thing over and over and over again, a grilled cheese every fucking day. The main event was Brian Danielson versus John Silver. And yeah, guys, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it got the proper, proper amount of time. I think I'm just about done with Brian Danielson versus the Dark Order. Um... This was kind of my last, last real, uh, I don't, like, I don't need to see another one, which is perfect timing, because next week is winter is coming, but this was probably my favorite out of all of them. Uh, I did really like the, uh, Evil Uno one as well, but this was probably my favorite out of all of them, because it was nice to see John Silver get some offense, and it was also fun to see Brian Danielson, like, this is such a genius way to do this whole story. Brian Danielson playing it off. Like, oh, I'm just not paying enough attention. I'm not taking you seriously enough, and that's why you're actually getting all this offense. It's probably the same story they're going to tell next week at Winter is Coming. Brian Danielson just didn't take Hangman Page seriously. And then the next week after Winter is Coming, or maybe after that match, he's going to shake his hand and say, look, again, this is if he goes back to being a babyface. Maybe he really enjoys playing this heel. I don't I don't know. I, I do know that Brian Danielson does like to play a heel. But he's going to go back to uh, Hangman Page, shake his hand if he's going to turn back to a baby face and say, listen, like, uh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Uh, you are just as good, if not better, than, you know, Kenny Omega. And uh, and I, like, you have my respect. Something like that, right? Um, and stop playing this, like, video game, you know, twirl your mustache, like, bad guy, heel, and go back to being, you know, Brian Danielson that we saw in the first couple, uh, first couple matches he had in AEW. So yeah, I, I, again, this was no Minoru Suzuki versus Brian Danielson, but it was still really fun to watch. And, and John Silver has really great fire-up spots. I think John Silver could be a tag team champion, a TNT champion. I don't know if he's necessarily world title, but you never know. You never know where people are going to end up. But I think John Silver is definitely my favorite member of the Dark Order. And, um, and probably the most fun to watch for a lot of people as well, it seems like. I know Evil Uno is su- super over right now, but John Silver as a way of fighting from underneath, no pun intended, uh, that is just special. And watching him, like, again, the twerk he gets on his hips when he hits suplexes, German suplexes, whatever it is, it's just fun to watch. The only thing I would say is I think Brian Danielson would not necessarily be the ideal opponent I'd put John Silver against because they're both very similar in build and in the way that they wrestle, in a way. John Silver's just a little bit more animated about it. But, 
it's been fun to see this kind of version of Brian Danielson. I'm excited for next week. Uh, my prediction, guys, is that Hangman Page retains the title. And you heard, and then I think Brian Danielson is either the week after or that same night, Winter is Coming, going to shake his hand and, and tell him he has his respect. So I thought this was a great way to conclude Dynamite. I thought it was a great main event, and uh, I thought a lot of Dynamite this week was not good. I thought the last couple weeks haven't been that good. I think they need to get their stuff together and stop being lazy. And if you want me to hold you to a higher standard as a better professional wrestling company, right, as a, the, the storytelling professional wrestling company, need to find different ways to tell stories because the same damn angles and the same backstage interview breakups and the same after-the-match beatdowns and all of this schmutz, guys, it's got to go. Uh, speaking of gotta go, I gotta go. That was the worst thing I've ever said on the show. But anyways, I hope you guys all have a great week. Hopefully we get Ashley Mann next week on here for Winter's Winter is Coming review. And, uh, I know I'm looking forward to it. Follow me on the Twitter at Mimi Burris if you want to. If you don't, that's fine too. But either way, have yourself a wonderful Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, uh, I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwepodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.